Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. To the sweet sounds of Kevin Bloody Wilson, it's Hump Day with Swanee and friends, Samantha Richards, Dane Swan. And now we've got 30 years of greatness in the AFL here, Nathan Burke. Hello, everyone. Hello. Thanks for having me. So if it was radio, I'd go through your career and all that. Yeah, you don't story. need to do that. You don't need to do that. Um, but you know, I was actually looking at this, that um, your your great career finished basically as Swannies was starting. So we, we have got three three decades here. 19 years ago, I finished. Wow. Yeah. So it's a 2003? Long time. 2003 was the last year. Was your year. first year? Yeah. My first year was 2002. My first game was 2003. Yeah. So you... you uh, I drafted end of 01. Right. Uh, and you were just saying before we started, so as AFLW coach, yep. what you're coaching is basically how you started playing with, uh, as in training after work. Yeah, so my <laughs> my first year, 87, I was in year 12, so in high school, and I've just drafted three players <laughs> who are doing year 12 at the moment. So <laughs> it's, it's sort of come full circle. And then I did four years of uni and all that sort of stuff and trained in the afternoon. So that's what the girls do at the moment. So what was training at Moorabbin late 80s? Describe that to us. Uh, late 80s at Moorabbin. So we'd, we'd roll up and there was normally a sign on the door saying that the ground was unfit to train on because <laughs> it was just muddy. And then we were training at Rowan's Road around the corner. So by the time you grabbed your boots and you got your ankles taped and you, and you walked around there, uh, the lights there weren't very good, so uh, we trained for probably 20 minutes, half an hour, then it get dark, and we'd say, right, yeah, no good training here, so just, we'd walk back to Moorabbin and <laughs> do some weights, and away we go, so that was pretty much it. Plough through the mud. So uh, one, one of my favourite sayings of, of Dane's is um, is that Scott Pendlebury couldn't have had the career he did if he went about it Dane's way, <laughs> but, but equally vice versa. Yep. Uh, I, I would say you and Rob Harvey were probably more aligned than your Spider Everett, Nicky Winbar, Plugger Lockett, about the way they went about their footy. Yeah, yeah possibly. But uh, you had great players <laughs> there all the same, but it was all different ways of going about it. Dip. The difference with those guys that you mentioned, Plugger and, and Winmar and those, was they had natural talent. <laughs> and so they didn't really have to do what Harves and I did. Right. Um, so if Harves and I 
did things the way they did, we, we, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. <laughs> um, so we needed to do that, whereas Plugger didn't. I think well, it was 91. He didn't do much of a pre-season. At the end of pre-season, he hurt his back and his ankle. So he, rehab for Plugger was just basically sitting on his backside waiting for him <laughs> to get better. <laughs> he sat there for six weeks waiting for him to get better. He, first game round seven, first three games back, he kicked 31. <laughs> Uh, he kicked uh, these 10, 9 and 12 in the first three games back. Last three games a year, kicked another 30. He kicked 127 for the year at an average of 7.5. <laughs> this is a bloke sitting on his backside for six weeks. So, Dane, what's your approach to pre-season? Sit on your backside for <laughs> as long as possible. Um, it's a phenomenal effort, isn't it? Um, holy smokes, yeah. yeah he, was, he was something for someone who – he wouldn't have been – Right up there with you and halves in the time trials, I wouldn't imagine. Uh, he always always found a way to miss the time trials. <laughs> it was normal those days. It was just a four k. Yeah, just run for ten laps of the oval. Yeah, that, that was basically it. And so I reckon I probably saw him do one in about eight years. That was it. Always managed to have an injury. So to marry up with what you're doing now with the AFL W and yep. and the Bulldogs, we'll get into some detail, obviously, but. How would your approach have been as captain to players who were a bit not necessarily down the line compared to nowadays your approach when you realise that actually all different types of personalities can make a good team? Yeah, it's um, I, I think different personalities do make a team and you have to have different sort of uh, people. You can't have everyone the same. It gets a bit boring. Yep. Um, as long as there's there are certain level of non-negotiables and you can sort of move in and out those non-negotiables, but there are uh, certain things that even a, a, these days a plug would have to do and a windmill would have to do and, and others would have to do, but then you would have some little allowances on the outside. And I think that's what makes a, a, a team real gel together. So uh, um, when it comes to coaching, though, yep. do, you, do you allow for that as well or do you think that this is how yeah. far we've gone personality-wise? No, absolutely. So one of our – we've got three values and one of them is inclusivity and with that it is you, you've got to bring your genuine self. And so if you are a bit weird, you've got to be a bit <laughs> weird. And if you are, you are quiet, then it's okay to be quiet and not – I don't ask the quiet ones to get up and yell and scream and so others to just do it naturally and so they're allowed to do it. So the the really important thing is that you've got to be yourself. You can't turn up every night for training and be someone who you aren't. It just after a while, that'll do your head in. And, and so you're far right. you're there? Yeah, you're absolutely. You're always yourself? Well, there's no point being anyone else. <laughs> we are all ourselves, so there's no point being anyone else. Is, um, do you th- is the coaching philosophy different to the men to the women, or is it basically whatever? If you, whatever you bring over from the men, you can do exactly with women, or is it you have to yep. game plans different, or you have to coach differently, you have to talk to them differently? Is there anything that's different, or is it just right? Oh, this yep. worked today for at, in the men level, so I'm going to bring this over to the women level and just do exactly the same thing. No, they're they're different, um, and the reason why I do it, they're different in a good way. For, for me, the football that they play is closer to what I played in the early 90s. It wasn't as game plan. Was it, was, it's not as formulaic as the men's. Yeah. The men's game, the bloke gets a ball in one spot, you know exactly where they're going to go. It's a bit like soccer. Um, whereas the women, it's a bit more free-flowing. And that's the, I, I like that type of football. But there, there are different nuances as be, between the two. Men, were often reluctant to tell people what we don't know. Don't go up to a coach and say, "Hey, I don't know how to do that. And I don't know how to do this because they'll they might judge us 
But with the women, I can say to one of them, hey, you're going to play in the wing this week. And she'll say, I don't know how to play in the wing. I've never played there before. Tell me how to do it. And you tell them and then they come back and they say thanks. Um, There's there's different personalities like that. I've got to tell the whole story. If I don't tell the whole story, they'll make up their own story. So communication (laughs) is is really, really important. Um, And I've got to make sure that I don't... With blokes, if you, you can picture this, a bunch of blokes sitting after a game and, and the coach says, Rodeo, you blokes today, you're tackling with shit house and your effort was poor and blah, blah, blah. Half the blokes in the room will be looking around going, yeah, Dan, your effort today was crap and, and Ralphie, <laughs> you know, your, your effort, you know, your tackling's crap and they deflect all that sort of stuff. Whereas if I make blanket statements with the, the women players, basically they all take it on. They don't deflect it onto anyone else. And so if I sort of have a go at one of them, then I've pretty much had a go at all of them. So <laughs> I have to be very careful with that sort of thing. So there's lots of little interesting nuances like that between the two. Yeah. Is, and is this a path you've seen? Because you've got some daughters don't yep. you, that the play yet. Yeah, so is this a path you seen yourself going in or is something you fell into or something you, you wanted to do? Like how did you get into coaching um, the women? Probably I fell into it with having three daughters in that I was always the guy that, hey, we need a coach for the basketball team. Uh, yeah. Everyone take a step backwards yeah. and I'm sort of standing <laughs> at the front there and then we needed coaches for the soccer team and same sort of thing happened and I was coaching women's soccer and um, they, my girls played soccer most of, the, of their junior years. Um, and then the Saints, they had a VFL women's team and they knew they were getting an AFL team in a couple of years. So they said, can you come on and help with that? And, yep. and I said, yeah, no worries. I can come down a couple of nights a week and, and do that. And But I, I just sort of fell in love with doing it. It was, it was great. And then lucky enough to coach a Vic Metro under 18 girls and that sort of was another step forward. And I coached Chris Grant's daughter in that, um, <laughs> which was handy because then <laughs> straight away their coach left and he sort of said, hey, how about come on board and um, a lot of people sort of use this as a stepping stone to get back into the men's and stuff like that. I've been in the men's and yeah. didn't like the men's. So, so, so um, tell us more about your experience in the men's. Uh, was it under Grant Thomas? Yeah, yeah un- under Tomo. Because um, I was – when I was playing, I was pretty much a, a football head, you know, everything was football and that was the most important thing sort of going on. But I got to 33 when I finished, three kids, you get a bit more perspective in life. You know, you've got kids and all that sort of stuff. And, and then you get back into coaching and it's almost you've got to be even more of a football nut than when you're actually playing. Yep. Um, you've got to – there's so much stuff behind the scenes and most of it's garbage. It doesn't actually translate to you actually – Coding being, and all yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Well, those days we didn't have computers. Oh. So <laughs> <laughs> um, it was just sort of coming in. But all the stuff, I've got to watch every single other game and, and – and a lot of it doesn't filter down to the players and make you better players, but it's just what's expected of a coach. And then, you know, if you if the team loses on the weekend, well, everyone's got to be grumpy for the whole week. And and if you win on the weekend, well, then you're allowed to be happy. And that was doing my head in. Um, I, I'm not out there playing. <laughs> I didn't kick a point. I didn't you know, miss a tackle or anything. So why should I be grumpy for the yeah. whole week? So that sort of roller coaster, it just got a stage in my life going. That's not for me. So uh, after two years, I quickly got out and did other things. And But now now that I'm sort of in charge, um, I can not fall into that sort of roller coaster again. And, and with, our, with our players, I, I make sure we, we have TLC after a game if we lose. So T stands for this is temporary. You, you feel sad now, but you're going to get over it and 
might as well get, I'm going to give you five minutes to get over it. By the time you walk out of the rooms, no more sulking, no more moaning. The L stands for localised, which is we lost a game of footy. It doesn't make you a bad sister, daughter, partner, friend, colleague, all the other things that you do in life. Shouldn't be affected by losing a game of footy, so don't let it. And then what can we control? We can control how hard we train and how well we review the game. And so keep a really good perspective on things, whereas in the men's I don't <coughs> think... I think it's too serious to have that approach. Do you review like you would a men's game or sit down hour-long um, video no. and... No, no. Sometimes I think with the women, if, if I say three things, I say nothing. Yeah. Which means if I, you know, once I get past point number two, it's not that I haven't got a good attention span, it's just um, you know, just where their football wisdom is for a lot of them. They, they're there because they're actually just good at it. Not that they've watched it, you know, since they were five years old and mum and dad took them to the footy. Some of them are. You know, yeah. Ali Blackburns and Kirsty Lambs, they are like that. But I know my daughter, to get her to come and watch a, a game of footy, it's, yeah, nah, <laughs> <laughs> not really interested. This is your daughter who's playing? Yes. Right. I yeah. missed my calling. I should have played oh, in the women's league. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was right <laughs> up my alley playing in the women's. You would have loved it. Yeah. Yeah. So on, on that TLC point, about yep. which which makes total sense that someone mm. was never good enough to be mm. out there, but yep. um, how much of that... Given that uh, you don't fluke your way into the Hall of Fame, Dane's still waiting probably next year. No. Brent Harvey beat him this year. Bit stiff. You don't yeah. fluke your way into the Hall of Fame. How much of that were you yeah. good at when you were a player? I, I had to learn it. Right. Um, so I, I wasn't good at it to start with, and I was very much on that roller coaster of you know win can be happy for the whole week, lose I'm just a grumpy bugger. Because my thing, cause I wasn't that talented. I had to be a competitive person. Had to be, that was my thing, just being yep. competitive. And so if we lost, it was like the only way to get happy again is to be competitive and, and win and sort of fast forward the week to, so you can actually be competitive again. And um, it was actually a, sitting in the physio and reading a sports magazine, as you do, and it was a guy named Steve Young, quarterback for the 49ers. And they asked him and they said, Why, how did you last so long in such a high-profile position as quarterback for the San Francisco and he said he had a, a motto and his motto was football's what I do it's not who I am and I thought that, yeah foot, foot is what I do but it's not who I am sort of stuff I couldn't figure that out so we had a sports psychologist on and staff so I went to him with a problem and I knew I was in this cycle and and um so it's just sort of helped me figure out pretty much all the other stuff that I do in life and how much energy am, am I putting into that um it's not going to detract energy from football, but it's actually going to give me more energy to put into football because I'm going to you know, feel like I'm a good son if I do something for mum and dad and I do something for the girlfriend and you know, that, that makes you happy if she's happy and so that gives you more energy to put into that. And so I reckon that probably occurred around about four years in and without that, there's no way I would have lasted 17. It's, it's not dissimilar to your two-hour theory. Tell, tell Berkey what your two-hour theory is. Which one's that? You had two hours a week. Uh, yeah, that's that was game day. So yeah. I, um, that's why I looked at. I loved game day. That was yep. the one thing that you could go express yourself. Training when I wasn't a huge fan of. I prefer to run inside on in the yep. heat room, and altitude room, and do different stuff because I felt like I didn't need touch during the during the week. But for me, it was a two hours effort game day. That's yep. what I love. That's what I needed, and that's everything I prepared for. So I mentally was like, I need to relax and rest my body for six days because yep. when the two hours and the ball bounces, that's when I'll give it my all yep. and, and, and bust your ass and try everything. So that's that's the mentality I had going in. But um, I thought I was pretty good at 
um, shifting my, my mindset after when I lost. But And I thought I was really good at it. I thought I could just move it on. But you don't realise how much you carry with you until you actually retire. Yeah. So, like, I'd come home and I'd think, nah, fuck it, it's gone. The footy's gone. I'm normal. But then, you know, once you retire, Mrs. would be like, you, Dane, you'd come home and, like, you wouldn't talk if you played shit out. So, like, you'd sit on the right. couch and if she'd be yeah. like, do you want some need? But I'm not hungry. You know, yeah. and then, like, you'd ca- ca- cause half an argument just because you're in the shits. But I thought I was fine. Yeah. I was like, no, I don't, I don't care. Like, I'm good. Like, no problems. But you'd, a day or two later, you'd still be... I thought I was fine, but your partner or your friends would be like, mate, you've been an yeah. asshole yeah. for no reason. But I, and mentally, yeah. I think, no, I'm, I'm good. Fuck, footy's just finished. But once you retire, you realise that mental stress that you don't carry around with you is completely gone. So mm. even though I was probably thought I was one of the better ones of being able to decompartmentalise and just forget about it, all of us carry around with you. It's just because it's – especially your Collingwood in the papers, can't get away. But when you're good – Mate, you, you want to be out. You want to be walking down Chelsea. You want to be in Collins yeah. Street because you're getting slaps on the back. You want to be in a bar. Everyone's buying you a beer. When you're going shit out, or when you've played up and you're in the front page, mate, the world, you know, you just want to jump in a hole and, and just, like Berg said, just fast forward a week so I can get out to the next week so I can play footy, hopefully play well and everything's forgotten in the last week. And that's that that family side of it is, <laughs> is really, really important because I know now with my daughter, it's like, hey, I'll – she doesn't play well or she's feeling down or worried. You, you want to do something, but you, you just really feel hopeless. There's no magic word that you can just say yeah. and that fix things. So part of the reason why we walk out – I give them until they walk out of the change rooms is, is a bit for them, but it's also for their family because their family are going, oh, they play bad and, you know, they, they lost the game. And if they walk out with a smile, they just go, oh, that's all right. I don't have to try and pick up the pieces or anything, yeah. and that relationship can can sort of continue on as normal. Yeah, that all that sort of other stuff going. Sometimes it make it worse when your mum goes, "Oh, Dane, you were awesome today." Yeah. Like, mum, <laughs> I can spare me. Like old shit house. Like, oh, you were great today. Like, please don't. But yeah. you're worse. So don't, don't. Like old shit house. Let's just leave it at that. And we'll move on all the time. Um, yeah. I found it interesting. The social media. Uh, it's it's a. Very, very much his own beast, but in yep. a, in a nice way. After uh, you coached against your daughter, yeah, who won that? Can you remind me who won? Yeah, no, she won that one. Right, I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> really smart. Did you tag her? Hey, I should have. No, no, I didn't actually. But I, so uh, you talking in deep, yep. deep about it. But my, my initial point is: so you go over, you hug your daughter, <laughs> and it was like, wow, there's a surprise. And I thought, and maybe it's because it's my stage of my life and I've got a teenage daughter. I thought that would be the most natural thing of all time, but people yep. were, like, surprised that you would do that after a game of footy. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> she'd come running over to me. Uh, I think her first intention was to was to gloat the fact that they won. <laughs> yes. And so I was sort of giving her a hug just to keep her quiet and just stop her from gloating. But, uh, yeah, no, that, that was interesting because that was her very first game um, playing against us. And so, yeah, during the week we had a bit of fun with it and she made me a, a red, white and black cake and I put huh. a scarf on the back of her car and <laughs> she drove around with a bulldog scarf all week and just some different <laughs> things like that but uh she's still learning the game and it's uh it's um yeah it's probably it's helping me be a coach because i know what she needs as a player yes and i know that when she comes home and she says oh the coach said i had a good session tonight you know just something as simple as that and she's pumped it sort of thinks oh as a coach you know mm. am i doing that have, have i 
have I told the player that she had a good session tonight? So I might jump on the phone and give her a text and say, hey, I forgot to tell you, you had a good session tonight. And I can just sort of imagine what she'd be doing at home, which is what, what my daughter's doing. How did you go coaching against her? Cause did you reveal her trade secrets? Did you go, <laughs> she's hopeless, you know, as a coach, she's no good, we can exploit her here? Or was it like she's... Leave her alone. Let her have thirty on a wing or whatever <laughs> yeah. it was. No, she she was playing in the back pocket, so I didn't really, didn't really have to do much to sort of stop her yeah. uh, at the time. But um, it was funny. There was a lot of build up to it, and there's media and all that sort of stuff. But once the actual game started, I I forgot about it. Yeah, I forgot about it. Um, although there there was one, <laughs> she was playing in VFL. She played VFL against the Bulldogs, and um, I was coaching the VFL Bulldogs at the time stepped in and coached them and uh, she got the footy she ran down and she's she bounced it and she kept running and the umpire must have missed the bounce and he's called running too far <laughs> and I'm the banjo line going bullshit I was complaining about us getting a free kick and couldn't help myself it must be pretty cool for you because I guess um, back when you had your children and you had uh, girls if yeah. you were to have boys there would have been that notion of oh maybe one day they'll play AFL, but back when you had your daughters, there wasn't the notion of maybe they'll play AFLW, and that's kind of come yep. along as they've grown up. So it must be pretty exciting for you to kind of yep. share your love of the game football with them now professionally. Well, Alice, to start yeah. with, yeah, absolutely, because it was never there with them mm. growing up. They played soccer and every, and every other sport. Alice just flicked over really late, sort of once she sort of got around about sixteen, seventeen. A friend asked her to fill in, fill in for a game, and. She filled in for a game and at the end of it she said, how long has this sport been going on? <laughs> she said, that's it. Um, I'm not playing soccer anymore, I'm playing this. Well, um, It was just the, the culture of the, the game. Soccer is very individual and, and you know, she made a fairly high level. She went to to uh, England with you know, young Matildas teams and things like that. And, and just to flick over after one little practice match was, was big. Mm. But um, yeah, it, it is. It's an amazing sport for, for women to play. Um, my, I've still got one playing soccer and the other one doesn't play anything at the moment. But, uh, yeah, it's I've got Izzy Grant, who's a father-daughter. Um, you only need to play one game of men's to okay. be yeah. able to... So there's not a big qualification. Yeah. Uh, that may change as more and more keep coming through. And so I, I just missed by one game. <laughs> <laughs> it's disappointing. Yeah. But, <laughs> but also there's the... Um, I guess if... You're someone like Dane Swan or, you know, big-name footballers like yourself. If you were to have sons, there's always kind of that pressure on the sons when they're, when they're yeah. coming through their junior years and then playing state footy and stuff. Oh, well, your dad was a, a kind of a legend yeah. of the game. Are you going to play? And then when they start playing, are you going to be as good? Like the Dacos boys are obviously yep. living up to their name. Your daughters of, like, Alice in particular, yeah. hasn't really had that stigma attached to it. So she's kind of been able to play her own game and find the love on her own. Yeah. Um, Probably a relevant thing with that, of driving here this morning, they were talking about Essendon delisting players and they delisted Tom Hurd, who's yeah. James's son. Uh, and they're saying oh, he's been on the list for three years and hasn't played a game yet. And I'm thinking, you know, what, what, other, what other rookies that have been delisted over the last you know, next couple of six weeks are going to be sort of headline news on the radio mm. that they've been delisted? None of them. Mm. And so you've got to sort of feel for, for him... Mm. family that he gets that sort of scrutiny just because his last name's heard yeah. and who his dad was i remember yeah. that was similar with uh Wolsey's son david walls yep. um he uh yeah and, and both father and son struggled with that because mm. they didn't think it was fair but they just knew it came with the territory given that Wolsey was a, a greater carlton yeah. and obviously still in the media at the time yep. 
And so I have a question. I, I, yep. You may or may not know the answer to this. When it comes to father-son or father-daughter, let's say Tate is in the year of being picked up and he's eligible for father-son, what if Collingwood, Touchwood, look at him and kind of go, he doesn't really fit or, you know, he's not. do they not pick him up or do they yeah, pick him up regardless because he's father-son? They don't have to. So no. there's an opportunity, there's a possibility there that... Yeah. Well, if he's no good, they're not going to pick him up just because he's... But I think the point, system, the point system actually helps in that way because right. someone like a... Josh Dacos, they had to use up points saying we want him so much. Marcus Ashcroft, I reckon, son yep. is similar. Yep. So what that's saying is that if, let's say, your true value is the pick 30, mm. you don't have to use any points and so it'll be a flip of the coin. They'll say, well, of course, we'll take our you know, son of a great. Mm. So it makes it makes it a bit easier. So I think in that respect, the point system w- works and helps. Yeah, I don't understand the point system, <laughs> yeah. to be totally honest. They tried to explain it to no, us I've last no year. <laughs> yeah, i got no idea. But um, if they're good enough, they'll find a way under the list, put it that yeah. way. Yeah, right. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Yeah. Yeah, and look, I think list spots... Are pretty precious within clubs, and so mm-hmm. they won't. They'll they'll do the sentimental thing if it works for them, yeah, but yeah. not for the actual player. And so, let's say Tate Swan is up for draft, and Collingwood yeah. don't pick him. When can I, as a Bulldogs, uh, you know, list manager, step in and go? Well, we'll take him then. When? When is there you, like whenever an you've got a pick? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So if I had round one pick, like if I had the first pick, I could go number one. If, was, if, if my son was going number one, I think Collingwood would pick him. If he was good, if he was being touted as the best player in the draft. What if Collingwood don't have? No, I can. No, I can. Do you I know what I'm saying? saying? What if Collingwood so that last year? So Collingwood. So if you're going to take a father son, you, you announce the points right. and you tell everyone. Okay. Because yeah, so hands off. So take. so everyone knew that they couldn't get Josh Dacos. Right. Everyone now knows they can't get Marcus Ashford. They couldn't son. get him, but could they get him? No. Like, was it no. an etiquette no. thing, or they weren't allowed? No. Right. Well, if you've got first pick to say we will use this amount of right. points Check. and we mm. will take the, right. the father son. Yeah. Um, any advice? Were you good at giving advice over the over the boundary line uh, when you <laughs> when your kids were sort of younger younger teen areas? Um, it was, to me, to me, it was all just about effort. Yes, it was just effort. You you're out there, and they always played team sports, and your team needs you to give the best effort. And so we sort of had a little signal. I'd sort of sort of just do a bit of a run. Yeah, you know, when they'd always sort of look across. Yep. And if I thought they were just sort of taking the foot off the pedal or something, I'd just say, "Hey, come on, give give a bit bit of a run." And and they'd sort of pick up their effort. Did you ever get pushed back from them? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, oh, three young teenage daughters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely, I did. Yeah, the, the looks that I got over the fence sometimes. I, I wasn't a vocal parent. I don't think. There's probably some soccer parents out, out there that probably. Disagree, but um, no, I just wanted them to to give effort because that's they're playing a team sport and that's what they have to do. So it's been over a year. It's one of my favourite stories. The son of a VFA legend, Billy Swan. Yeah, 
When he tried to give you advice, can you tell Berkey? Uh, he wasn't great at receiving advice. <laughs> Most teenage, probably boys and girls do they? I think we know better. And Dad was a bit like, never really yelled at me or, you know, would come and grandstand over the coach and grab me three quarters of time and say, mate, don't worry about that. Just focus on getting the ball or, you know, whatever. He didn't really say much, but he... Remember <clears throat> one day down at West Meadows, he he started yelling at me over the bench, over the fence for pretty much basically for being lazy, yeah. which it's fair to say probably didn't get <laughs> out of my system for two yeah. for, for many years. Probably I'd still sound pretty lazy now, but um, he was yelling at me, and I had enough of it, so I uh, put my fingers in my ears and crossed my legs, sat down on the middle of the ground <laughs> while, while the ball went round me for five or six, you know, for probably probably a couple of minutes there. So. Um, yeah, no, I was a shithead. <laughs> yeah, that under sixteens. What was it? Yeah, I was under sixteens. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd had enough. So, um, children are vessels of karma, Dane. You want, yeah. you know what, Dane, uh, take to do something. You've got him for four days coming up, don't you? Yeah, he's going to sit down there. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep. We're going everywhere, which is what we like doing. So, you start off with uh, one of your values with the with your team itself. What, what were the other ones that you said? Yep. So we have care and effort. Yep. So they're, they're, they're the three ones we work on. So it's about caring for your teammates. And uh, we, have, we have a concept called making others better. Um, and that's what we reward everywhere. I don't reward best player, most goals, anything like that. It's the player who does the most to make her teammates <coughs> the best. Um, it's a domestique award, we call it. So if in cycling, yeah. domestiques, they're the ones who do all the hard work. So that's what we, we call it. But... Um, I think that hopefully sets us apart from a lot of other football teams who have players competing for spots. It might be, hey, Ralphie, where you're playing, you're playing midfield. Dan, if you want his spot, you've got to train harder than him and be better than him. And where's your compulsion, Ralphie, to help Dane be better as, yep. a, as a young player, to help him in the gym and help him after training and all that sort of stuff? It's not because you're just thinking, and if he gets good, he's going to take my spot. Whereas we sort of flip that around and the expectation is that you have to help Dane be better uh, at what he's doing. So that make others better concept is is something that we really push and that's what we reward after each game. How how have you seen the improvement in the AFL? How long long have you been there and how how is the improvement just... You know, twenty, thirty percent every year on year because they get another yep. year of preseason understanding the game. And yep. do you think there'll be a time in, in your time that they will be full time professionals? Yep. So coming up to my fourth season, so I've coached three full seasons, grand total of twenty five games. So, <laughs> yeah, and through COVID, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we don't get to the, last year. We had we got hit by COVID bad at the start of the year, so we end up playing seven games in 30 days at the end of the season. So just to squeeze them all in, yep. which is a fair effort by the, the women. Um, where's, where's it going? Yeah, every year it's it's getting better. We're, we'll be better this year because this year we've actually had – we had a pre-season, then we played 10 games. We had a couple of months off, then we had pre-season. So we're, and then we're playing again. So that, that constant football, the, the skills of the girls have just gone through the roof. The ones coming through NAB League now mm. have played for five years mm. and so they've got skills and they've got that footy wisdom that the other ones, <coughs> that the newcomers, don't have. So mm. feeding them in. Um, I, I, I got rid of 190 games worth of experience at the end of last year and brought in six players, the average age of 19, three 17-year-olds, yeah. mainly just getting those young ones coming through. When will it go full-time? It'll be a progress. So with us... 
man, it was 91, 92, went from 5 o'clock training to 4 o'clock training, and then 93, it was sort of a, there's one day you can do 2 o'clock, and then next year you can do have spend one whole day at the club. It was just a gradual transition, so that's what we're, we're in. They're, they're talking around about 2026, 20, they might be able to pay them enough to be full-time footballers, yeah. that sort of thing. So Is I there think a bit of a three, lot of unintended years. consequences though, Berkey? That, I mean, unless oh, yeah. you've got serious money, and yeah. I mean, at the moment the players' yep. salaries were reported in the men's, unless yep. you get serious money, just because you've got enough to be full-time for one year doesn't mean yep. that's a good idea to leave your job. Mm. No, no, exactly. And so it's that's, that's why it's got a gradual transition and... Might be get to a point where we go, hey, let's just stop there. Yeah, it might be, you know, you there's two days a week fully at the club. Um, the other three you can work, study, do whatever you want. So that's, I think that's that's the ask the players. That's what they want. They're they're not asking to be, hey, pay me as much as the men. Yep. Um, right now, and I want to go full time. They they want to have at the moment. What's happening is they still have to work, and they're playing football and they're getting paid to do that they at least want the chance to go you know what i'm going to put more into football and a bit of work at the moment it's more work and a bit of football flip that around football and a bit of work on the other side so just just enough to do that so when i um we're we're, we're similar ages growing up in the 70s and 80s the footy record the uh the job just about everyone yep. had it as clerk or, yep. <laughs> or plumber or something where yep. where you could fit footy in with your your yeah. um sorry yeah you could fit your footy in with your work yep. and that's probably where you want to get to with the women I assume yeah exactly so I've got prison guards got people who work building railway lines I've got a policewoman I've got school teachers got um what other weird ones have I got um. I've got quite a few that are just studying and working in cafes and doing all that sort of stuff. So everything from a policewoman to construction worker. Police guard would be an interesting way. Of, I reckon you'd enjoy your footy as an outlet, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Celine Moody, she works in the uh, in the army as well. Wow. So, yeah. So, yeah. We had her dad on here not long ago. Oh, is it oh. Pete's daughter? Pete's daughter, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, what yeah. A so, yeah, Celine's, uh, she's in the army. So uh, she rolls up the training in the uniform every now and again and, cool, and Alice turns up in her police uniform and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, they're, they're doing that during the day. And so we start our prep for training at four o'clock and they're out of there around about half past nine, three nights a week. Wow. So, right, well, no. nothing's more important than watching it uh, on, on the couch, never mind what you guys do. But uh, when can we see scoring improve? And yep. as, as a just a yep. for, as a sports fan, whenever you you uh, if you say, well, the scoring's not high enough, yep. you consider sexist, which is bullshit, yep. <laughs> not at all. Yep. But you just want to see uh, more goals. Is there a coaching problem there, or yep. is it what, where, where is it we're getting? No, not really. One, one thing you got to understand is that our, our quarters, the average length of our quarters is sixteen and a half minutes. Right. So if you stop all the men's quarters at 16 and a half minutes, the majority of scoring in the men's games happens when players get tied. It's in the from 21 minutes onwards. That's the majority of the scoring. So take out the majority of the scoring, a lot of the games are going to look very, very similar. Yep. Um, so 16 and a half minutes. Um, Do you think that should be longer or is that pretty much spot on for the women's no. at the moment? So VFL women's and, and under 18 girls play 20 minute flat. Yeah, so we're only playing sixteen and a half, mainly for broadcast. They want yeah. to fit it into a two-hour window. So it's all broadcast. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so much cool, don't they? Yeah. So I went to the AFL this year and I said, "Look, 
you've you've given me stats that says the majority of score the heaviest scoring times are in the back half of the second quarter and the last quarter and that's because players are tired when players get tired you score more yep so how about we make the quarters longer and they sort of said oh you know broadcast broadcast I'm going, all right well half time 16 and a half minutes we don't need that long make it 12 and a half you say four minutes then Quarter time, three-quarter time is six and a half. Make it five and a half. So you've saved six minutes and you can stop crapping at the start and the end of the broadcast <laughs> for a minute either end. Yeah. We've saved eight minutes. Put that into the game. You're going to get more scoring and blah, blah, blah. And um, it didn't, didn't get very far, unfortunately. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's great insight. Yeah. It makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yep. Mm. Another thing is you, know, you, you get half the men's teams go out and play at Casey Fields. Um, when it's blown a goal up the end of the ground, <laughs> good luck like scoring. Dane's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Dane's been playing local footy this year. Yeah, yeah the wind's the worst. Mate, the wind's the worst element to play in by far. Yeah. Rain, it's right. Just it rain's easy because you know where the ball's going to slip when it hits the deck. The wind, especially local footy, just sit. There's no big stands. Just sits in a forward pocket for four quarters. It's hell. It's the worst. Game. Yeah. It's the worst footy of all. There's no skill, no talent involved. It's just yeah. sits in a pocket. and Whoever can kick enough lucky goals wins. Yeah. yeah. So we're playing it. Whitnoval and Casey Fields and all good ones. Yeah, you know, there's not a lot of grandstands around those to <laughs> stop the wind. Uh, a couple of others. Um, yep. So you're commentating for the ABC now. Yep. I mentioned you earlier this year. I uh, the D's and GWS. Um, it was Easter Saturday, so I did. I, I, it was a new PB for me because I had to do the functions. I was in the yep. car at the start of the first quarter. Yep. Went to Lake Interest. Listen to you guys. Loved it. But you said Chris Petrarca. You said you as good as he is. You've never yeah. seen anyone just not care one bit about who he played on. And I said to Dane, one of Dane's great sayings is yeah. uh, is um, uh, a list of high-pressure acts from Brownlow Middleist yeah. is not overly long. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, What do you notice yeah. about the men's game at the moment compared to when you were playing as far as the on-ballers are concerned? Yeah, I, I have no idea who's playing on who. <laughs> Seriously, I have no idea. It's because no one plays in it anymore. At a stoppage, I think he's both run off and it's team defence now, which yeah. is... Been great, yeah. yeah you've, I've been a great finger point. Everyone just points now and just like delegates like who you play on. Yep, it's yeah, an easy it's, game. It um like I just remember the old days of you. You look at the fixture two two weeks out and you go, Gee, we're playing Carlton in two weeks. I got to prepare myself for Craig Bradley. Yep, because that's who you were playing on, and he knew you were playing on him, and you have to prepare for that. And you go head to head for the whole game, and you know if he had thirty and you had twenty, well he won and. Um, same thing with Greg Williams and all these sort of blokes. You just set yourself for people. And that wasn't just tagging, that was just playing on them. And you know, I'm pretty sure that doesn't go through the modern player's head <laughs> who, who no. I'm playing on this week. Also, the distance-wise, because, um, you know, I imagine if, you, if it's Bradley or Crawford or um, Brent Harvey uh, of, of your era, yeah. you'd say, well, geez, I'm going to have to cover 20Ks here, whereas that wouldn't happen in a fit now, and, and yep. which is not to say that they're not unbelievable, but it's just different yeah and they were all different so I, I was one of the things i'm sort of happy about is i started in the 80s so i started on on a dale waitman yeah you know and and dale could and, and similar to greg williams i could be this close it can be an inch away the ball could come and they catch it and handball it before you got even thought about reaching over and tackling them and so you had to play a different way on them johnny platten just ran the whole day and then spurred it sprints so you had to know that okay that's how I've got to play against him I'm going to run the whole day 
and with Greg Williams, you had to run around with your guts tight the whole day because he'd give you a backhander <laughs> in the guts. Even, every time the umpire was in front of you looking the other way, you thought, oh, I'm in trouble here. Um, so they had different nuances as to play on each of those guys and, and you'd have to prepare for that during the week, two weeks out really. Um, what, what can you tell us about uh, the importance of alignment, particularly now you've seen another another team in the Bulldogs? I'm sure the alignment also yep. means that if you're in development phase, you're entitled to be that as a coach and we're, we're probably not seeing it at a club like Essendon, for instance, at the moment that's been the buzzword. Yeah, so alignment as in... As the, in the importance of uh, everyone being everyone on the same knowing, page yeah. at, a, at a club... Yeah, and perhaps that, and I assume that didn't happen a lot yeah. at St Kilda. Uh, no, no, there was times when Stan Alves banned the board from coming down into the rooms. He didn't want to see them. <laughs> they're, they're not, that's not their workplace. They shouldn't be there. And I just thought, that's yeah, they'll they'll get you back. They have, <laughs> they have the <laughs> older last power. laugh. Yeah. yeah, they will absolutely get you back at some stage, and, and they did. Um, yeah, so that was. I, I don't think there was really any harmonious periods at all. It was a period when Grant Thomas used to want to punch on with the president every time they're in the same room together. So that's the extent it got to. But no, I, I'm like, I've got Chris Grant as the head of football at the Western Bulldogs, yep. which is good. So we sat down last week. I said, right, Granny, what are your aims of me and the team? And just tell me. And, and if they're aligned with me, great. If they're not aligned, we need to keep talking and that sort of stuff. Luckily we were. But um, yeah, it's just that whole club approach is it's just vital. And when you've got little bits fighting here and there, um, very rarely is the coach the winner. Yes, that scenario. I don't think ever a coach wins very often. They might win once, but they don't win twice. And probably, sorry. So, did you ever think about going somewhere else when you were playing? Like was it with standout, like yeah. you said, this lineman. Did you ever think? I wonder what it'd be like going to play on Anzac Day or playing a big club in front of eighty thousand. Or was just I love the Saints. This is my home. Not not a chance. Yeah. No. I never really contemplated it. Fully had an offer to go to West Coast early 90s, but that, going the whole way over there didn't yeah. really appeal to me. Um, no, it was, it, was, it was sort of like once you started, because I started with Harves mm. and Lowy and all those guys and Jason Daniels and, and, and they were mates and it was almost like, hey, if we do achieve something special, it will be extra special because yeah. of what we did rather than just sort of plugging yourself into somewhere who's already a good team. Um yeah, it was different a, it back was then to what it is now. Yeah, it was a gamble to do that. It didn't pay off, yeah. but I'm I'm glad we did that. I'd much rather have gone down that path and not achieved than sort of jump from club to club looking for it and not achieved. But equally, in a way, when you say it didn't pay off, I remember Nathan Buckley once saying that uh, you know they go to Bobby Skilton or to him. You know, yeah. you missed out in the premiership, or yeah. that can be to you. But they don't go to Aaron Keating or someone who's played eight games, including yeah. a premiership, and saying, "Would you rather swap that for a full career?" Yeah. And I often think about that, and um, I probably wouldn't. No, yes, not at all. Yeah, I don't wake up and think I'm a premiership player. Like, yep. Yep. Like it's more your relationships and your networking, and yep. like you said, the bonds you've made with, you know, you don't make friends with 50 different people, but the six or seven close mates you leave, like I speak to them every day, I don't wake up and think, fuck, I'm a premiership player, how exciting yeah. is this? So I do yep. when people ask me in like grand final week and stuff, you obviously have a few gigs and that, but... Um, certainly doesn't define you winning a, a flag. It's more the people you've met, the networking, what you've done in those 15 years that set you up for the next phase of your life, which is probably more important. Yeah, absolutely. One of the great things the Bulldogs done, we'll, we'll sort of go close to finishing you, I know you've got to go, uh, yeah. is embrace the area. And, and for those not old enough, you know, late yeah. 90s, early noughties, 
they were bizarrely they were really nearly cast. Yep. But one of the great one of the things that they've really done is embrace the area. It's made them strong again. One of the things the Saints did really badly <laughs> was yep. leave them rabid. Yep. Now they're back there yep. and. Part of the feature there is the Danny Frawley Centre. Give yeah. us some fun stuff about Spud, yeah. perhaps with this width, and what, what the importance of that Moorabbin base soul is to that club. Yeah, it, it is. It's uh, the heart and soul of the, the place. It's um, I, I tried to explain to my daughter Alice, saying, yeah, what it looks like now is not what it used to look like. <laughs> and uh, she says, yeah, yeah, occasionally she sees photos and things like that. And, and uh, recently there was the anniversary of a... It's 92, our, our last game there, and uh, you know, 28,000 people all squashed in there and yelling and screaming and carrying on, and she sort of can't picture that. But it is, it's a, the spiritual home of the place. I don't know whether the modern-day player understands that, but yep. certainly us older blokes do. Um, and, and the Western Bulldogs, their, their community work is it's phenomenal. Um, yeah. The amount of stuff that they do over in the West, and got daughters of the West programs and sons of the West programs and multiple programs, and um, yeah, it's look. Does it? Does it? My, clubs used to do that and say, okay, what, what's what's the trade off? We'll get these people as members, and they'll come to games, and, and they'll do this. They they don't do it for that reason. They they do it because it's the right thing to do, and they have the ability to do that and help people in that area, which is what I think is even even more special. And in terms of Spud, probably the probably the a Collingwood related story, and you would have had a lot to do with Tony Shaw in your in yep. your time. Yep. Um, we played against Collingwood during the, the that that year when Plugger actually kicked those seven and a half goals. The only game he didn't <coughs> kick a goal in was against Collingwood during the year. And that was because Shorey absolutely got into him, just got into his head. He was yapping at him the whole day and Plugger got frustrated and he was giving away free kicks <laughs> and he was just a mess. It was the only game he didn't kick a goal. And then we played Collingwood in the first final out at uh, Waverley. And so Spud's gone, right, no matter how much Shorey yaps and talks, no one, no one talks <laughs> to him. Do not, do not even give him a, a look. <laughs> Don't mention him at all. Forget it. So they went in to toss a coin, the two of them being captains. And as Spud was coming into the centre circle to toss a coin, sure he started yapping. And he was yapping, yapping, yapping. So we were watching. Is Spud going to be able to follow through with his, his mandate? He walks straight in the middle. He gives Shorey an almighty shove in the chest <laughs> and starts yelling at him. <laughs> and uh, and we, we, he came back into the huddle and we've gone... Mate, what, what was that? What happened there? <laughs> and he's gone, forget what I said. Every time Shorey goes near it, punch the living shit out of <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, that, that was spud in a, in a nutshell, really, in terms of he had all these great plans and all that stuff, but the, the emotion would just take <laughs> over and, and away you'd go. And, and, and Swanee often says one of the best parts of playing premiership is that the club organises something to get together. Yep. And, and I yep. believe like Spud was your organiser, wasn't he? He was. He was. It's still hard now to get together as players and, and not see him going from group to group, telling the exact same stories that he's told for <laughs> 25 years. <laughs> and they'd get bigger and better every single time. You knew the story he was telling, but you still you still sat there and you listened to it every single time. But, yeah, he was the, the glue that – he was like my captain for nine years and really just – sort of glued everyone together basically and um, yeah it's a it's a huge loss on 
so many levels. But the Danny Frawley Centre, um, his daughter Chelsea's working down there yeah. and, and uh, Nita's really heavily involved. So uh, the good thing is that his legacy will live on and, and help thousands and thousands of people from forever and a day. No doubt. Well, we'd, we'd appreciate you coming in any time, but the fact that you're doing it this week before round one, we really do. Yeah. So good best luck. luck for the before year. We, yeah, before we let you yeah. go, just for those people who um, are kind of new to following AFLW, yep. obviously you're the coach, so you know – you know, we know the good sides in the AFL men's. Yep. Who, who should we look out for in the AFLW uh, this year? In case you want to have a bet. Yeah. yeah. No, no, well. no, 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 sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, to keep Alfie happy. Obviously, you have to say <laughs> the Western Bulldogs because I think yeah, playing yeah. the Giants on Sunday. Yep. But who? It's, it's a, we've got four new teams. So this is the first time we've had 18 teams in. So there's 120 new players into the league. Wow. And so who knows what that's going to do to do to things until we actually start playing. But Melbourne have kept their group together. They're, they've been building a, a senior group for the yeah. last three, four seasons and they're sort of ripe to go at the moment. Adelaide have always just been a, a state team, basically. They, they just pick every person from Adelaide and if you don't get picked, you, then you can go to other states. So Port Adelaide are in this year, but... They'll, they'll still be very, very strong. Uh, Brisbane are, are very similar. So probably Brisbane, Melbourne and Adelaide will probably be the, the top three. And to the dogs. Behind. And the doggies. And the doggies. We're going we're gonna to surprise <laughs> them. Yeah. Fantastic. The great Nathan Burke on us, uh, joining us on Swanee and Friends. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.